Let's get those sandwiches. Makes sense. Let's pound those sandwiches for the first segment. Queen for you. Richard, can you hear me? I can hear you well. All right. Yeah, yeah. Today's Idea Grave is sponsored by Sky Blue Sky Sandwiches. <laughs> and by sponsored, I mean Jerome bought us Sky Blue Sky Sandwiches. Arizona oh. ST. I legendary shit, pulled man. pork. <laughs> the legendary pulled pork. Yeah, here you go. Oh, thanks, buddy. Only problem is, it's such a powerful sandwich that it's either going to take two hours to eat it, <laughs> bite by bite, or we're going to have to wait 15 minutes for us to feed in the sandwiches and then start, yeah, and then start the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Or 15 minutes of chew noises. <laughs> what are you doing, Josh? Oh, that's a good sandwich. Mm-hmm. It becomes like one of those uh, strange YouTube channels. Have you ever seen the one where the chick just eats bento boxes? No. She's got a whole bunch of followers and stuff. Um, somebody, like, I never watched the channel directly. Yulia was telling me all about it. Oh, okay. But she just has different, um, she'll have a different food that she's eating each day. And she sits and eats it. It's like food porn. Like people oh. tune in to watch her eat sandwiches and stuff. There's something like that with um, sounds where uh, it like whispers. Jessica's I, into the whisper tapes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so it's a thing then. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was just it's a whole a very community. S- oh yeah. Wow. Okay. What is it? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> whis- Explain what? it. I don't remember the um, what the diagnostic is called, but basically. They're like these YouTube um, personnels that they will describe things in um, like detail and they will whisper the entire um, way. So a video would go on for, let's say, about 10 minutes or so, 20 minutes, and they will describe opening a package of, um, let's say, for instance, a PlayStation. And she would explain every single thing she takes out of the PlayStation. She might even read the instruction manual from start to finish. Unboxing. And yeah, it's just, it's unboxing with like this weird whisper. Just, just whispering. Yeah, she, she'll whisper the entire way. And apparently the viewers go crazy for this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's senses. It gives senses. certain people um, brain sparks. Yeah. 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 There's, um, the, the one I'm familiar with is, is supposed to be a, a visit to the facial um, you know, like a women's beauty well, she center. She does it in her bathroom, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the girl <laughs> will like, she's one. pretending to exfoliate your face. And she expl- She goes through the going, detail. She's talking about everything. how healthy your pores are going to be. I just want you to relax throughout this entire facial And you're going to be so very beautiful tomorrow. We're going to like make you look your episode. best. <laughs> That's very strange. <laughs> it's an interesting subculture, and I can't believe it's taking off. The um, I think what people like about it, what they find relaxing is... is um, there's so many rude people, especially in cities, that it's nice to have a voice of of somebody who's trying to take care of you. It's like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's you see, cool. like you see those videos of uh, like one of the big love industries in Japan is going and paying somebody to just affectionately stare into your eyes. Holy shit! Yeah, they 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 go and like. So there are these places where you go and you get like a girlfriend experience, but it's not like a prostitute. You don't have sex with her, but you do pay her to affectionately like look into your eyes or like caress your head. So there's like, physical contact. Li- oh, okay. li- but but very very like innocent feeling physical mm. contact. But apparently in Japanese culture, one of the uh, well, according to this this take on it, anyways, is that cleaning uh, a woman cleaning a man's ears is a very, like, intimate and loving thing, like cleaning someone's ears. 
So that's like one of the most expensive things you can pay her to do is to sit and like clean your ears out for you like really slowly and like kind of caress your head as she does it. It's supposed to be super, super affectionate and loving, and like it is. That does sound uh, intimate to me because somebody can really yeah. fuck you up if uh, they do. If they stick and clean uh, Q-tips in your ears the wrong way. When I was younger, my buddies um, would like we all get together at this one house down on um, kind of like Jane and St. Clair area. Yeah. And when I got there one day, I found my friend. Just his girl was just uh, his girlfriend at the time was just kind of like popping his pimples and like like doing all these weird grooming um, for him. She would like just pop his pimples and like cut his fingernails. And, but she would like, she want to do it. It's not something he asked mm. her to do. She would just kind of like just, see yeah. that his fingernails are growing or he's got like these like blackheads in his face. She just gets over there and she just pops them and they'll have the conversation. What is that? Look an esthetician them. that does that kind of thing? Yeah. Skincare? Yeah. yeah. Maybe she used to be an esthetician. No, not at all. It's just something that she found common. And so at the time my girlfriend saw it, she goes, I wonder if it really is um, as intimate as it looks. And so we mm. sit down and she started to like um, cut my fingernails. She goes, wow, I can see why. <laughs> well, it <laughs> must stem this. back to some sort of uh, like prehistoric impulse to groom one another right yeah. because all all like apes all the way back through evolution basically groom one they another do, on yeah. an active uh manner like Talking so we're just that's an interesting thought and birds do it too the preening if you have a pet uh cockatiel mm. uh it'll it sometimes it falls in love with its owner oh and yeah. to the point where it'll behave as if it's caressing and, and grooming you in a way that it's in love oh. and uh, they'll become like egg bound sometimes like they fall in love with the owner and then they start laying eggs mm-hmm. because they're trying to procreate. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Going back I had to a the apes, um, Sorry. Did I see? <laughs> no, no, I'm finished. Did you hear the story about the, um, the baboon, um, the baboon that was like a, um, a signalman at a, one point, a signalman, a signalman. So I like, I think it was back in the early, um, 1900s there's this guy he had like a pet baboon and so he had a job he got a job as a signalman and so he would bring his like pet baboon with him to work every day and then eventually he like teaches the uh, baboon all um, basically his job like his daily task controlling the trains controlling the trains he would change the signals as the train approached the station (laughs) and so he taught the baboon so well that he he got in an accident one day um it was a job he stepped on the line and an oncoming train kind yeah. of like injured him so he couldn't walk. But because he had trained the baboon so well during their time together, the baboon took the task of just changing the signals. And all he would do is like um, make all these sounds and kind of um, groom the baboon mm. using conditioning to listen to the trains. And because the trains you generally make certain um sounds like they'll go to um to um pull up the horns. horns yeah yeah, yeah right it's like this is these are the things you need to do so the baboon would like listen to this and go over to the lines and change the um the tracks for him. it sounds like the plot of um you know like that bad clint eastwood movie any which way but loose is that uh seriously we were clint eastwood in a baboon yeah or? he's hanging out with an ape <laughs> And going on adventures. It sounds like one of those '80s movies where they would get the ape to to join the baseball team or yeah, run the there was train a, station. There was a real trend with uh, with movies with animals as the like the heroic stars, where it's like Air, Air, Air Bud. Oh mm-hmm. god! And all the Air Bud sequels of like what other sport 
could a golden retriever maybe play? <laughs> Hockey? Hockey? Impossible. No. Basketball? Wasn't there like one tennis? with soccer at some oh, point? Oh, for sure. Soccer, right? yeah. For sure. <laughs> but then there's like that other, the Beethoven series of movies, and I'm, I'm positive they did about five or six of those. Where it was like I Beethoven's forgot about Beethoven. It's all just, springs. Just a big old fucking dog, and that's like the whole plot. Who's just the grumpy dad dude in that? Oh, I fucking forget completely. Yeah. I can't remember Especially anymore. Just the G. I wanna, I wanna always picture the grumpy dad dude as the guy who plays Kevin McAllister's dad in the Home Alone movies. I just always sort of picture him in that, uh, in that role. Now I can't remember who plays his dad in the Home Alone movies. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, what was what it? I should take the job of like Googling shit. We get. Oh, that'd be good. It's an engineer oh, job. Yeah. <laughs> we need an engineer to berate and make, uh, make do our googling. <laughs> so when we pay a pittance, a dirty pittance. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I just don't understand what the what the fascination with making uh, animal starring movies. I guess that's really cheap. If you make the main no. actor in your movie an animal that doesn't need to be paid, he has no rights. He has yeah, no rights. he throws like a familiar face to um, kind of play a second role to him. Yeah, yeah, it. somebody who passes as an actor, but <laughs> just passable. Beer and you just you need a second dog to be the stand-in. I would think. Yeah, there's probably more. Sounds there's pretty much kibbles, kibbles and bits yeah. and kind of like get a good trainer and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> his rider. It's pretty fantastic. Um, he didn't stock his dressing room properly. Fido's mad. Oh, and you think of all like the famous uh, famous dog actors and cat actors from TV. Like the dog from Frasier. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> he had a pretty big role. Eddie was a pretty big part of that show. I wonder how many of those dogs they went through. At least a couple. I'm positive. Yeah, how long was that show? Oh, for, for like ten years oh, at least. Yeah, <laughs> Frasier was. Uh, man, that was a that was a show and a half. Those little dogs live a long time, though. They do. Yeah, it had to have been more than one, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. after a decade, I'm sure the first dog kind of got a little yeah. bit too old for his role. So funny. The understudy dog dogs. Does some uh, dark shit. Wonder what the going rate is for a dog actor. Like, how much do you have to pay the trainer for like a, a day-to-day like shooting? You know, like me and my Mike Juno had dogs on that um, Tokyo Police Club video we did. Oh yeah, that they were true. they weren't that expensive. It's mostly the trainer that you're paying for, right? I think it, they take like twenty-five dollars a dog or whatever, and then you have to pay them a day rate of. Oh, 150 wow. or something. Gosh. But it's reasonable. This is cheap, man. I said I, we just do some short films about dogs. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that... Uh, a dog on the podcast. <laughs> I, I'd want to be specific. I'd want to know that the money was going to the dog. I oh, want to know yeah. that that $25 is fair. going like, to get them a nice collar and like good Because otherwise it's slavery, basically. <laughs> it is just animal slavery. <laughs> Dance for me, doggy. So we swung by Boxy. We swung by the ruins of our previous mansion. And um, they're reconstructing three of the walls. Yeah. All of the drywall has been torn out. And it looks like the floorboards are completely gone. Floor and oh, ceiling. it's an empty it's shell. All, it's I, an, an empty shell of bricks. I went into the backyard. It's just a bunch of junk out there. It's pretty sad. And, yeah, they're bricking in a lot of the windows. They're taking away those huge windows and just bricking them into little... I, it, I think it's for structure. Of, um, what they're planning to do with it at all? Uh, the landlord... I'm. I'm pretty sure he's going to sell it just because there is a house right across the street that's smaller than Boxy somehow. Mm. Like that kind of mini version right across. It sold for a million, too. All of the property values in this area they're are skyrocketing. Yeah, they're inflated. Which doesn't make sense because almost like if you look at every block uh, in Koreatown, there's a couple things closed on every block. Mm. In the past six months, there have probably been like 10 vacancies. Uh, but I think Bathurst that they're leaving to get money. 
Probably, for the yeah. Real estate. I mean, honest ads. Fucking it's gonna talk about condos. that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just condo company. What do you think they're gonna do with it? It's not as if this condo company from Vancouver is gonna come in and build like a bunch of cool stuff in this neighborhood they're gonna build a fucking massive condo that's even I, don't you have mixed feelings yep. though because honest eds is canadian and it's kind of a the iconic sign is important to toronto but it's also a dump like it just it it sells the same <laughs> chinese crap that walmart and dollarama do uh and walmart you can but make the argument that's a the products are something a little bit better some of the things in yeah. honest eds you look it's got quite a coat of dust on it you're like this has been <laughs> the on color sale is really changing like whites are no longer whites there's history. The Mervish, uh, the Mervishes are really good to the people and, in Mervish but Village. But everybody there is so depressed. All of the Mervish people that work at the the store look so sad. Yeah, the employees look sad. And yeah, no one wants to help you find anything. They kind of <laughs> they don't know where anything. Shrug is. you off and go. I don't know, kid. You don't go ask somebody else for your blender. But I mean, you know where this <laughs> what this area is definitely headed to. Hi, Maylee. I did, yeah. We were looking for an adapter, but uh, we we just aren't using it, so it doesn't matter. Thanks, though. Um, I just think that uh, on this edge just has this this kind of like history and this sort of connection to the community and the way that it treats the businesses in Mervish Village. It's just gonna suck when the area suddenly becomes like a condo on one corner adjacent to another big faceless condo on the yeah. other corner. And I think it'll be like Blur West Village. It'll be a combination of, of uh, small high-rise kind of buildings and uh, coffee shops and dog grooming centers and things yeah. like that. You uh, know. No, I don't know. I don't... I'm not a big fan of that. Trump's had enough. Yeah, I've had. He's headed <laughs> to the suburbs. I just... Yeah. Yeah, I just had to leave. I, I don't know. I... Cool with the condos, but... There's not much, um, going back to my argument about infrastructure, just like they're building all these condos down here and they're kind of, on, on one end, they're taking away a lot of the, um, like what it, what, what signifies Toronto, right? You come here, you know, on a sads, um, there was Sam, the records man, he's gone and the entire like, um, Bay and Bloor area has changed, just condos everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then they change the environment overall, right? And then what else is left, right? D- what, Dollarama? And just, yeah, you're right. Face coffee shops. Yeah. that Dollarama coffee gets shop. a pass. I yeah. think it's a, it's a Quebec company or something, so they're allowed to put up stores wherever oh, they want. But I knew- there was places where Walmart wasn't allowed. Mm. The building committee and, like, the community said we're not allowed. When they planning to put a Walmart in um, Kensington, Kensington Market. Market. They've yeah. been fighting to get in there a long time. But uh, Dollarama just gets a pass. They're just like, hey, what happened to that? I don't know. Did they uh, eventually get get um, get like the agreement to build a Walmart in Kensington? Oh, or did they shoot it down. No, they shot it down. They were trying after they tore the Buddhist temple down on College. That mm-hmm. disappeared. There was talk. There's all sorts of rumors that that's where it was going to go. That there's going to be like a little tiny Walmart built in the Buddhist temple. Tiny and Walmart. <laughs> I, I don't. I just don't Mini see Mart. how it would fly down there. Like. That's such a community that's that's supportive of its of its local shops, yeah. right? Like they have a certain pride in the fact that they can get everything they need and they can shop around for it mm-hmm. in a very uh, small area. That's the way neighborhoods should be built, and that's one of the things that condos don't ever att- uh, like take into account is that you're packing in a whole bunch of people into this tiny little high rise, but you aren't building uh, a proportionate number of jobs and like. Com- commodities in the neighborhood right mm-hmm. you're not building a neighborhood you're just building a big faceless 
place for people to live, but with nothing around it. Yeah. And that can't last forever. Like, you need to be able to have a place like Kensington where you walk out of your house and within... 10 minutes there's a cheese shop and a bakery and yeah, a yeah, meat yeah. shop and like a couple fruit shops and a grocery store and you can like really kind of like the competition plays off of one another and you yeah. have like a kind of nice easy accessible place to shop for your neighborhood yeah that's all that Jane Jacobs stuff about mixed use neighborhoods and it I think the only point that I would disagree on is that you can set up neighborhoods that are a whole lot less um, diversified yeah. But they're not as fun to live in. No. And you end up with uh, problems like we're seeing with kids getting obesity earlier and diabetes earlier and adults having more heart attacks and stuff. Because if you build um, a city that requires a car to go everywhere, then people get into the habit of, of living in their cars. It's just the way it evolves. Yeah. You see that a lot in Brampton. Whoa, my God, man. <laughs> I'm, like, being pushed right now to purchase my um, my second car because there's no way to get around there without uh-huh. one. Um, and coming downtown, I love it because I can get, jump on the subway, jump on a streetcar, I could catch a bus and go anywhere I want. But then there's the issue of we're becoming congested now, right? Going yeah. back to the condos, we're piling as much people as possible downtown Mm -hmm. and then we have this huge congestion where we can't go on the streets because there's cars everywhere Mm -hmm. right the street cars loses their um their necessity because you they're being jammed packed with the rest of the traffic right yeah and so now what do we do what do we do about that i think that i would just like to see a couple of through fares given back to pedestrians Mm. cyclists and transit Mm. i'd like to see king street be car free and I'm then dope. maybe yeah. two other streets uh, a few blocks north just to allow um, for the experiment to happen where people get the feeling of what it's like to um, have no cars on a, string, a single through fare. King They're Street. everywhere. Mm, I don't know I, if that would it's work. It's a tall King. order yeah. to ask people to give. I think I, I feel like there's there's got to be a way to sort of have like kind of directive traffic where Everyone is always gunning for the same route, like the same easiest route. Mm-hmm. But if it was just a little easier to inform people about like which streets were a little less congested and everybody made a conscious effort to sort of, uh, in, rather than gun for the main route, but to all split out among the many various ways that you could take to get home. Especially, drivers seem to do that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, if you're driving through the downtown area, the whole reason the city's made of uh, like a big grid is that like you can drive down any street toward any other street like it's it's just perfect like one uh, one directional traffic like you just drive up this street or the next street or the next street after that what about more one ways wouldn't that work well because i think new like kind of taking a page from new york and going from there right yeah build more one way um, streets so that traffic flows uh much better because yeah outside some of the roads are so um um they're so like small and um narrow that Having two-way traffics on them is just... Oh, this city wasn't built to have parking and traffic on the same road. Yeah. Like, we have these roads, and then we have parking spaces on either side, and then after that, we barely have enough space on Bloor Street for, like, throw traffic on busy days. Mm -hmm. And it gets even worse on side streets when everybody parks in the side streets, and then they're, like, supposed to be two-way, and there's, like, just just barely enough room for a car to squeeze past another car like almost going up onto the the sidewalk every time Mm -hmm. it's just poorly designed from the start Mm -hmm. well then they plan on just going underground 
that was the original idea, right? Everything would, um, all um, trans transportation, public transportation should have been underground already anyways. Right. Well, right. But obviously that's not It's expensive. What that's, yeah, mm -hmm. it was digging, too expensive. Digging holes is surprisingly expensive. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you know what it is? It, uh, I heard um, somebody dissecting it and what apparently people in Toronto don't understand is that in other cities it's it, w that are built on bedrock, mm -hmm. it's much e simpler to build lots and lots of subways mm. but in toronto because we're on a clay bed they need to do the trench style where they tear open the whole street mm. and okay. they dig a giant trench and then they put iron uh, pilings up to support the okay. street yeah and um, that's what they're doing on Anglington. and you right? see that also um at, at finch and keel area at york they're mm -hmm. building subway there as well yeah yeah so that's why we can't um, build them as quickly they up up north in uh, York, I heard, uh, and possibly the line that they're thinking of doing for Scarborough, mm -hmm. I think that those two might be in bedrock, and that's why they're more feasible. They'll be a lot oh, okay. less expensive to cheaper to build, build, more, build yeah. and faster to build. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a shame that it, it just turns out to be so expensive because uh, Toronto being a grid is the perfect city to really just uh, have like an extensive subway line like I, i've seen because I, of the density or because yeah i, I mean it, it would just be it, it's such an ideal city to have sort of like a whole underground world going on you see something like the path the path system like you, yeah. you look at the path system and if if that were sorted to exist between all of the different stations and the the subway lines were a bit more numerous straight through the downtown grid you could have this like entire commercial center slash like transportation hub underneath Toronto that was just uh you know really easy to get around promoted sort of like walk and shopping i don't know it's just a it's just an interesting thought to think of uh the potential of like an underground world and especially in the winter you know we live in a winter city where it gets really yeah. shitty up top and a lot of people hide they don't walk around as much a lot of businesses lose foot traffic because people aren't just casually walking around but if it was all underground and heated and greenhouses you could build a series of greenhouses for people to shop in just a series of greenhouses yeah i mean but one thing i do think in general when we have conversations like this torontonians are super impatient like yeah, we don't. They always compare themselves to New York and uh, Los Angeles and stuff, but uh, in reality, the city is only 125 years old, right? A lot of uh, a lot of the uh, the cities that they compare themselves to, like London, is as old as the hills, right? Like it's a 2,000 year old city. Of course, it has more dense development and more infrastructure. Yeah. So, do you want to take a, a quick break? Well, we uh, set up early, a second time? Break? Yeah, yeah, set up again. All right. I want to release this video. <laughs> Your mayor will have so crap. It is what it is, and I can't change the past. Am I an addict? No. Have I tried crack? Yes. It's my mistake. I know I have no crack left. I know doing crack was wrong. Rob Ford. Folks, I'll do anything for more. Drunken stupors off the hall. Rob Ford. It's a fact. I smoke crack. So there's more of the Rob Ford uh, Patois stuff. More videos again? Yeah. Oh, Did you see that, that uh, thing a month ago where he got caught a second time with the, the crack and, and there was like a rant? and I decided to uh, just release the story. <laughs> it got like, it was too, it's too much. It's like a, 
<laughs> soap opera. It's it so is, insane. Right? And now, like, someone, some random woman was just arrested driving his van uh, just somewhere up in, like, Northern She was Ontario. drunk. She was drunk. Maybe it's the van that's the problem. <laughs> it's this haunted van that t- takes its its drivers on <laughs> drinking binges. But they but they all claim not to know her. Crack, <laughs> all the Fords claim not to know her, but... Uh, but also the the van wasn't uh, reported as stolen, <laughs> so it wasn't reported as stolen. But they don't know the girl who was driving. Maybe after it. all these Officially. shenanigans, the Ford family is super uh, super apologetic or super. Uh, no, <laughs> no. They, even I, when they're wronged by other drunken people, they're like, "We understand. <laughs> We've been here before with one of our loved ones." Did you hear that stuff with Doug Ford about the autistic house and his writing? What what happened? He said some just abhorrent fucking shit about there's a house for like uh, autistic children. I believe I don't believe it was spe- specifically autistic children that there were, may have been like a number of different uh, mental disabilities in the house, but um, he was just on record as saying some cr- crazy. Just saying he didn't want to have well, it in like, the neighborhood. Well, or like something? he didn't he didn't know that they were going to be leaving the house. He's like, oh, it's all well and good if the house is in the neighborhood, but I didn't know that they'd be coming outside. Did he like, think that they were sex offenders or something? Like, what's the, exactly right. It, that just has, baffled me. What does it have me. to do with uh, <laughs> autistic people? Why well, are they appa- dangerous? Apparently, apparently, they're a little too like you know weird or f- abrasive for his liking. To, like put on the around the house or something. Super conservative people in the neighborhood were complaining that they didn't want to have to deal with like whatever screaming children. Um, yeah, and so he there's just a bunch of like on the record stuff of him being super super insensitive about this house. Yeah. It just shows. It goes to show that he has no heart whatsoever. <laughs> it's also bizarre because you'd think he'd be used to screaming in the night and <laughs> for domestic disturbances. Yeah, with his brother on the loose. Yeah, his like, <laughs> he's where escaped. is his brother actually? Ford's escaped. <laughs> where is Ford? That's a yeah. I think that's the question in everyone's mind is like, where did he go? Yeah, I think that well, he deliberately was trying to avoid having reporters and stuff hound him at the because well, they're all in the rehab space, right? clinic. That's what he says. Yeah, so that doesn't surprise me. But but did did he ever really intend on going to rehab? Is that even a thing, really? Well, I love what Vi- the way Vice has summed it up. They say when it comes to Rob Ford, the rule is the story will always get stranger. So <laughs> their theory is that something more is going to come of this. And I think that you know some strange blonde lady showing up drunk in his car and having is the first sign that, that things it, might get a bit stranger. <laughs> things are turning around. Chapter 27. This is going to be an exciting election. I it's going to end in a Bronco chase, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> going to kidnap John Tory and Olivia Chow and <laughs> take them around the city. Just like that scene in RoboCop. He's like, I want a helicopter. I want a chopper. And I want 60 grand. And I want a recount. And whoever wins, I want my old job back. Hobby, <laughs> settle down. Oh, man. Who do you think uh, Who do you think stands a chance against her in the election? Do you think, you think Chow's winning. Chow? You think yeah, Chow's going to win. Chow's winning? Oh. Sure. I haven't looked at the poll since. Yeah, when yeah, I yeah. saw the, uh, the the second breakout of the video, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Everybody's completely apathetic. But, yeah. you know, the only person who has an obvious voting base is Olivia Chow. John Tory might from his uh, radio television show, but it's going to take away from Ford. Factor. Yeah, that's all that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's just diverting the votes from Ford to himself, and yeah. he's not going to get the Ford nation. So uh-huh. And I was, I, I was cool with, uh, I was sort of semi-supporting Karen Stintz until she decided she wanted to sell off the hydro, and then I was like, all right, that's 
Never her. Yeah, never when did you. she go big time capitalist all of a sudden? She what was kind of like that the in the first election. Oh, okay. When she lost, and uh, and then when she was working as a counselor, she wanted to distinctify herself from Ford, mm. so she seemed a little more left leaning. So wait, she wants then, to decentralize power, like at a well, in order to hydro? pay for the new subways, she wants to sell off Hydro One, oh. and take the money from that to p- build the subway. But the oh. thing is, like. People are skeptical about getting rid of revenue tools, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get that one-time cash payment and then it's gone. Correct. Right. So as Hydro One, is and then the other long-term. thing that turned me off about that Karen Stints is uh, Jessica was doing one of those uh, 5K runs along the rail path. Okay. And uh, Karen Stints showed up. And I was like, oh, that's cool. She's going to run the race. But what she ended up doing is her and an aide kind of like walked one lap of Waited the course took a bunch of pictures of themselves on it with like finishing athletes there's some home. water in her face yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so i was like so was she injured or something that's a weird thing to do are all the politicians like that they just show up for the photo op and then oh well, she had off. she had to go fake race like four other times <laughs> <laughs> the circuit she technically ran circuit. like 55k that weekend <laughs> driving around <laughs> you know sure um yeah, I just don't know that I want to vote for anybody who's going to be any less entertaining than Rob Ford at this point. That seems to be a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he will be prime minister. Can you just imagine? Fordzilla. He's Can just you imagine our... him winning? Oh. I, I kind of, I, I've kind of interested in that, you know? Like, I know it's terrible and it's no good for Canada, but it would be pretty for fucking Canada. Imagine <laughs> all of the... <laughs> imagine <laughs> it became a hipster thing to ironically vote for Rob Ford, oh. and then he wins by a landslide with all these people, like, selfie in it, going like, what? You never thought I'd do this. Party mayor. Party mayor 2014. a lot of badges and, like, shirts. That would work. <laughs> okay, what about this scenario? He's reelected, but immediately stripped of all powers by council on Again. day one. <laughs> so you still get to have all the news stories and all the fun, so he can but be none a of the damage. Mess <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Worry about power at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can we can re, uh, renovate his office and add like a water bed and some trippy ass lighting and stuff. He was right. Did you see that awesome footage of him on Halloween night? Oh. No. He was in his office. He had his complete office redecorated in this like Halloween motif. And it was almost as if he'd been like eating masculine or something like that because he was just kind of wandering around Creeping the office, over the reporters, holding like a fake snake and being like, "Want to touch my snake?" <laughs> and like and laughing and like. And then the thunder would go off and the, the strobe light, and he'd be like, "Ah!" ah, ah laughing who wants like, some like a candy, Batman villain. Children. <laughs> we more or less have the penguin for a mayor at this point. <laughs> That's I saw a cobble film during the uh, Santa Claus parade. And he was walking around, like, handing out candy because that's, like, his thing to do, right? Yeah. But he wasn't, like, giving kids the candy individually or anything. <laughs> he just kind of grabbed a handful and just tossed it at the, the feet of a number of kids. <laughs> Dumping them on <laughs> yeah. the kids. As if and they pigeons. would just run and pick them up. And it was like, wow. <laughs> they just looked like birds. Rob, are you tempting up. those children into the streets? <laughs> <laughs> Oncoming uh. vehicles, Rob. We don't do that anymore. Children must be discreetly handed. One piece of candy each. That's <laughs> eh, no fun. And yeah, so he's in the he's in the Halloween mayor's office, and the lightning's going off, and he's cackling and stuff. And it went on for an awkward like thirty five minutes. There's a really long YouTube video yeah. where you can watch the cameras flashing uh, from the reporters and Rob Ford kind of awkwardly orbiting the room, saying things like "touch my snake" and "have some candy" and cackling and stuff. 
very how did very it get strange. This far? Like, how the fuck did it get this far? I know it's it's <laughs> only it's crazy that it's only a year ago yeah. just that the first crack scandal started, and in a year so much has happened. An entire book has been written about it, and then now there's almost like probably another like sequel book on the way. We give about what's happened since. Uh, we give late night um like American um personnel's material. It should be the other way around. Like, and we should be uh, taking information from what's Toronto's going on. Toronto's taking over the world, Jerome. You have to I'm accept crazy. that. I'm, but I'm worried that the way that the sort of like uh, the association works in the long term, that even when Rob Ford goes away, Toronto's reputation um, in certain parts of America and with certain viewers of TV will remain the We're city with the crack smoking yeah, the party crack smoking mayor. Man. That's it. And that's, like, bad for a city that's kind of, like, just blossoming and growing all the time for us to be, like, synonymous with just electing a big, fat idiot to just get drunk and completely fuck their city. I think what the Americans are having so much fun with, though, is the contrast. Because they've had crazy mayors in the States. Mm. The thing that's weird is that Toronto has been elevated to the fourth largest city in North America... And we have a reputation as being kind of polite and boring. Correct. And he's the mayor of that city. That's what people find hilarious. Right. We're not so boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look at him, and photographically, he's hilarious. He's, think, he looks like a big baby. Yeah, and John super- Stewart played on that. I think he, he sent one of his um, personal, um, like reporters down here, and she was like covering um, the Toronto uh, citizens. Like, what do they think if they're crack-smoking mayor? And... At the, at the end of the segment, she she just turned around to one of the four nation guys and go, "What the hell is wrong with you? Your mayor smokes crack in the U.S. He'll be he'll be gone already. Yeah. Why are you still voting for this guy? Because he was a four nation dude." And yeah. She asked him, "Would you vote for him again?" Yeah. And I think out of like the ten people she asked, you had like a high percentage of six of them were like, "Yeah, I'll definitely vote." And there was two that was kind <laughs> of like, as in the middle. expected. Like, well, <laughs> and the best part about that is that it's not exactly true that it would he be gone in America because it's like the mayor of D.C. Marion Barry. Yeah. Got busted smoking crack, went to jail, got out of jail, and was reelected mm-hmm. immediately after. Yeah. Went to jail on crack and got out. And, like, so. Didn't that, didn't that happen to, to Jerry show. Springer, too? He got <laughs> caught, like, uh, buying a prostitute or whatever, and then he got reelected. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> sounds like I think yeah. prostitution is fine for them. Oh, sure. Well, <laughs> that's, uh, okay. the, the thing I feel awkward about is, like, suddenly folks on the left in Toronto have become, like, anti-drug, and they want to make that, like, a political issue and stuff. It's like, that's really uncomfortable. I don't like being pushed into that area. It's not like, that... I think the thing that I th- is a shame is that this, the narrative has now become, um, you know, Rob Ford has made a lot of personal mistakes, but he was a great mayor. When that's not true, he was a shitty mayor even before all of this yeah. stuff. And so, it's, it's not like, it's not that we're mad at Rob Ford or like even surprised by the fact that he gets drunk or like goes out and has a bit too much fun because that's not something that needs to like black and white affect someone so like seriously that they can't do their job. Right. It's just that he's doing that on top of not doing a very good job. Yes. If on he top was, of not doing that that good a job and but he after saved a history a after a history billion? of <laughs> people on the left having to Accept uh, that their their candidate is going to be thrown out of office because of a sex scandal or a drinking scandal or a drug scandal. Like Adam Giambroni was running for mayor, yeah, and there wasn't even a scandal. 
he there was allegations that he had an affair on his girlfriend mm. and he dropped out of the race and he cried at the press conference. Oh, Anthony Weiner, man, he pushed out just cuz he dick pics. S- dick pics. He liked to send dick pics around. That was his uh, that was his thing and he national shame. He lost out forever. I had a chance to be president, but it ends here. I'm out of politics. And I mean like that's of my dick pics. It's just a Well, he Rob Ford has set a president's now. You don't have to like bow out at yeah, all. Yeah. Oh no, like, no, you have no more like moral obligation as a mayor. You're, like it doesn't matter what you do. You as can long try as you're a fiscal it. conservative, you can do whatever you, you can want. Do anything. Yeah, as long as you have the right friends. As long as you like, you wear the right color tie and have the right friends. You can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want. Apparently, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty uh, infuriating. Gangster mayor. You know, awesome. Run like a, a nice propaganda campaign. And you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> They'll vote for me either way. It doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, uh, he's winning the remarkability race, though. The best his opponents can hope for is that they win by protest vote. Nobody's talking about any of the other candidates. They can't. Uh, no. He can't leave the uh, the imagination of the voting public. Yeah. So, I, uh, go ahead, Gerald. No, I was gonna say my buddy ran like a, 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 a like test if I'm how aware of it, like people in. Um, a little bit north of the city or like of the other candidates. Yeah. And so um, he would randomly uh, have conversations about like Toronto politics with people on the bus. And the funniest story was when he went up to this uh, elderly lady and he was talking to her about Ford and she's like, yeah, Ford Nation, everything was great. Um, they had a conversation about John Tory and then my buddy decided to bring up Olivia Chow and she went, who? And he said, Olivia Chow is like biggest contender. And she goes, I've never heard of her before. And you're like, you're like a like an eligible voter who yeah. seemed to understand the other two candidates who were conservatives in some way and you have no idea that there's an unopposing That's party. I think Olivia Chow <laughs> needs to start a podcast. That's her problem. She needs uh, she's on the right side of issues. She just needs more visibility and stuff. She, visibility is yeah. She's so downtown centric. She can't help baggage. it. She's just been in Trinity Spadina for so long that like all of her constituents are down here. All of her biggest supporters are down here. She it's going to be really hard for her to reach out to those GTA neighborhoods the way that like Rob Ford can identify with them. She doesn't really you know? need them though. Like Ford oh, only won via vote split last time. It was yeah. he only got forty seven percent. So between if you consolidate the Smitherman and uh, Joe Pants votes than uh, oh Pantalones. Mm-hmm. I that was that was my guy. For I sure. voted for him too. Yeah, protest vote. Pants. pants I am like Smitherman. I would have been just as uh, upset with George Smitherman. I think. Yeah. Um, mm. Oh Toronto. Oh Toronto. Oh <laughs> Toronto. Anymore. Not even in a part of the city. <laughs> I can't even talk about Toronto politics anymore. Oh man! Hey, you know how you were you were practicing uh, uh, hip hop, uh, yeah. rapping and stuff. Did yeah. you stick? Did you stick with? I that? wrote I think three or four songs and a number of like half um, songs, which I think goes into like the uh, the teen somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think I played one for you about a year and a half yeah. ago. Yeah, and you're you like, that's really emotional, man. It was good, though. <laughs> it was, was fucking like, really good. I don't know. I, I kind of improved on that. I, that's That one is completed. And I don't know. I just gave up um, at some point. Be- you should record you before you, if you're thinking of moving on from it, you should record the stuff that that you that that I've wrote. completed. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I should. I've heard, uh, I've kind of had listening sessions uh, with some of my buddies, and mm-hmm. uh, they like it, but... I don't know. What do you find to be your number one obstacle on that, do you think? Like, is it lack of beats? Like, lack of uh, no, because like, time? No, I just jump on YouTube at any point and grab right, something yeah, it's right. pretty much infinite. Um, 
I don't really know um, where I want to go with this. And because of the lack of direction, I just decided to stop. Mm-hmm. Because, and so I was like, I would love, it's great to write music and, um, you know, do my own recording and stuff. Right. Recording meaning like using my iPhone or some sort of like basic program. But where am I going to go with it? Right. Like right. I'm not, tr- I've never considered breaking into, um, the Toronto hip hop scene, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's 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 not an option for me because uh, you have, I have friends, other things. To you have friends about. in the hip hop scene, though, don't you? Like who kind of like I used to. to I kind of lost. Um, I lost a lot of my um, connect because of my YouTube, well, my Facebook. Like I when I shut it down, yeah. a lot of those friends kind of got cut off as well. Right. So right. Um, no, I just kind of wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, at home and did my own recording, and I was like, "What am I going to do with this?" I had like the same question for myself. I was like, "Shit, you know what? I'm never going to take it any further beyond yeah. this. So fuck it. I'm just going to mm. end it all right it here." It can mm. it can be an interesting thing to think about because I end up like playing in different bands. There's always this uh, like really like forward direction of like we have to get these songs together and mm. then get them ready and like do a proper recording and play shows. And it really, really quickly becomes um, more and more of like a responsibility and it feels like a job sometimes and uh, stops. There's just points where you just don't feel like it's for you. It stops being fun. It stops being fun in that same way Mm -hmm. when you really just want to, you know, kind of take a step back and wonder, like, is this sort of worth doing for me? Mm -hmm. Um, I just had a lot of uh, dilemma about that where. Just recording music for me and just kind of making it for myself almost seems like enough. It almost seems like makes me happy enough. You know, yeah, you just and I have go it. back and I replay them and I love them, right? And sometimes I will perform them, me being the only audience there. And I was like, isn't that good enough? That, I, that was my conclusion, right? This was good enough. And what I've done so far, like I kind of like – I would – I've thought about um, recently, actually, because my little uh, my little brother knows that I I do I did a bit of recording and write it in the past, and yeah. he's like, "Hey, you should um, we should write we should write mm. some stuff together because he has that Jamaican like cadence, like everything about him, right? How he talks, like he had, and he even like wrote a number of like freestyles. Uh, Sorry, yeah. he freestyled a bunch of stuff, then he wrote like a few like. Um, songs, uh, half songs to be um, exact, and he kind of like went like he he gave me a little taste of them. I was like, that's really good. Like he has this vibes cartel feel oh, when yeah. he's like when he um, when he like raps in um, with Patwa. I yeah. was like, I would love to do something with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it sounds like uh, if you write half songs and he writes half songs, that's one whole song <laughs> per half song that you're each writing. Also, uh, also related vibes cartel. Life in prison. Yeah. You heard that, eh? Oh, it's so messed up. Life in prison for murder. One of uh, one of Jamaica's biggest dance hall stars. What? Yeah. What happened? Second time in like four years uh, he was in court for a murder case on... on uh, he's killed two people? Mur- Apparently well, he, yeah. <laughs> he was the one that gave the orders, right? And, um, oh, yeah. gangster. And so, uh, well, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's in like no... Everyone thought he was going to get off because... Just get a little closer been, to the mic. Oh, this has been going on now um, or ongoing now for... Uh, what over like th- what two three years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And days. finally they got him. Like he's he's done for. Like his music <laughs> career just ended. But you can't record in prison. Oh, you could. I haven't heard anything from him since he got went to jail. Yeah, like, it's just legit. pre-recorded stuff that they're putting out. And that's about yeah. it. Yeah, they did the whole 
basically, basically like posthumous releases. But at this point, if he's gonna spend life in prison, yeah. there's no more touring. But he groomed a number of guys before he got locked up. So, uh, uh, to, yeah, <laughs> to be his uh, his replacement, taught him the sound, yeah. the next gen. Imagine uh, every legit celebrity in the next like five years has to have some sort of criminal record. <laughs> But that was, that was that was the gangster the gangster rap era. Gangster rap era, yeah, but yeah. like Rob Ford breaks it out into new territory <laughs> where it's like all of our celebrities are required to be some sort of criminal. We want a little bit of dirt under your nails so we don't think you're real. Legitimize your um yeah. <laughs> your back your music. Yeah. Cuz I mean, it effectively morphs news stories into reality television when you've got your celebrities being actual criminals. You know, the line blurs and it becomes infotainment like to the max, right? Where Fox News is about stories about Rob Ford mm -hmm. and the adventures are so crazy and surreal that it feels like you're watching a television program. Oh, well, and yeah, and the figureheads or the like, the pundits that they have, they're just pretty much the they play like the ho the role of the host, right? Yeah, the host and they the, go like beat show. by beat and they play it over and over again and people consume that shit. Oh, yeah, they love it. and it's just so funny how how long the, the actual celebrity culture in the states has been has surrounded itself with just like previous drug addicts and criminals, like a lot of big big celebrities who you'd never think like if you looked at their later career, you look at someone like Tim Allen who did Home Improvement and who was like Santa Claus. He yeah. was he was like the face of <laughs> the face of the most jolly loving man in the world to kids for the entire like decade of the two thousands. That dude got busted with a shitload of coke in the 80s, like <laughs> enough to go away for 40 years, like kilograms of cocaine. Oh, fuck. And the, his basic get off? His yeah. fucking Hollywood paid his way out. Ooh, someone who saw he had potential. Someone who saw he had potential paid his way out of court, basically. He got off and went on to be one of the most like beloved childhood figures mm. in movies for a while you ever seen that uh, youtube clip where they cut out all the dialogue from home improvements and just leave the grunts <laughs> it's a bizarre surreal experience to watch it it goes on for like 23 minutes Does or something and it's just <laughs> give it a good the Scooby-Doo mix. It just blows my mind that uh, 90 sitcoms could get away with a premise that was that simple. Because I don't remember anything else that happened on the show. I remember <laughs> Er, and I remember more power. That dude, I like, uh, his neighbor, I remember. Like, oh, uh, just the face, Will, just, just the, the top yeah. of the face, Wilson. 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 They'll have that heart-to-heart, -heart, like get all the plot out right there, and then go run. Sitcoms are so, like, amazingly cookie-cutter that all you had to do is just throw one twist in. Mm -hmm. Like, you just do a sitcom, and, like, the twist is, like... Urkel, he's nerdy and he loves cheese. <laughs> Those were his two qualities that like, and then you have and like. Sometimes he would turn into sexy Urkel. Remember sexy he, Urkel, he yeah. What's his name? Devano. What's his name? It was ah, oh, I can't remember that. <laughs> Something ridiculous. And yeah. but then like even Alf, like Alf was supposed to be an alien, but really the only things that were different, he was just a regular character who just ate. He wanted to eat the cat. Yeah, that was and the he whole. Had a, he had a strange, weird sexual vibe too. Like he was always trying to hop in the shower. With Kate, or he'd get into bed with Willie. He'd dress up like Kate in her bathrobe and stuff. In and American in Dad, like the, um, <laughs> the extraterrestrial on that show, pretty much steals like all of Alf's, all stick. of Alf's stuff. Yeah, being like, overly Alf. sexual and like yeah. kind of dependent on his human counterpart. Yeah, that's like, Alf. Like right there. The <laughs> really did you uh, did you ever read the Wikipedia page on Alf? Uh, I I I did open it once because I wanted to know how it ended. It was it's a strange kind of thing. All right, so. 
um, apparently the guy who played Willie is a really smart dude. Mm. If I remember correctly, he has multiple degrees and stuff like that. Yeah. And he fancied himself as um, a, a guy who was going to blossom as an actor later in life. And okay. he found himself on ALF, and he was really depressed about it. And apparently the entire crew was a miserable mess all throughout the production because the house was really hot and not air-conditioned properly, and there was um, trap doors everywhere for the puppeteer to oh, okay, operate yeah. ALF. So if you weren't careful, you could just fall through this, the set and hurt yourself, and Willie fell through the set, and... They all thought it was going to be a disaster because they're talking to a fucking hand puppet and nothing had yeah. been so done they're like open that for the this to, for it to get canceled at some point. And then I think that they recorded um, at least the first two seasons all at once. Oh, okay. And then they didn't know what was going to happen with the show, mm. and then it became a hit uh, for a long time before they started recording stuff again. So they, it was a very surreal experience for all of the actors involved. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about Alf. Though I, I I recalled that the the family name was the Tanners. They were also the Tanners. <laughs> the cousins. They, yeah, they were the co- they were also the Tanners. There's two major sitcoms at the same time with uh, the family called the Tanners. And let's be honest, they just they just took the the uh, the, the Full House scripts and they took Michelle's lines and just and turned them into around, gave it to Al. gave it to an, an extraterrestrial. <laughs> same show. Yeah, and they all, for some reason, the 90s was just the perfect breeding ground for that kind of, like, late 80s, early 90s, just whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a sitcom Duckman, about Possibly the strangest show ever. Duckman. Duckman. Yeah. Jason Alexander. Yeah, I like that show. Man, that I was, was very like, young as I watched it, but I, I got it a few episodes later. Like, I think last year I watched a few episodes. Like, what the fuck? Ilya's a super fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jason, yeah? Jason yeah. Alexander just can't really hold his own, though. <laughs> he can't be the star of a show. He's got to play. He's got to play second, maybe I third. Like, it's banana. a better show than Seinfeld, though. Is it? Whoa, as a let's talk, about, let's talk about that Dunk a bit. Oh, I opened was up a can of violence? worms. Did you just enjoy the violence? <laughs> Sacri- the great sacrilege. Um, so I, I used to be a Seinfeld mega fan. I was mm. into it, and I saw every episode. And then, like most people, I haven't seen it in seven years, eight right. years. And then I run into JRG, and her and I are going out for a long time, and she doesn't know anything about Seinfeld. And I was like, that's weird. You're probably the only chick in the world our age that doesn't know about Seinfeld. And she's like, yeah, I've never seen it. Right? So we watched Seinfeld from episode one through episode 300 or whatever it is over the course of a year, like every night. Yeah. And it, it, it makes you smile still, but it's... It, yeah. You don't get the belly laugh like you used to? No? No. And you got to remember what it was up against. There was such crap on television it was Mad just about you and and seinfeld were the only shows that were kind of gen x-y you know where they were a little bit politically incorrect and yeah there's other stuff on but on like kind of easy on, like yeah if you if you don't yeah. have cable like through the 90s yeah, if you, you just got have, two or yeah. three channels then seinfeld was pretty good but yeah it, you know what the, Except for it's, more it's the formula that starts to bug you after a while when you watch it now is that you can feel like all of the episodes are kind of structured the same way, and they're usually based around a weird word yeah. that they've decided that, like, schmoopy is the word of the week, and then they <laughs> figure out different ways to play off of that. Huh. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that it, oh. it, it feels dated to watch it now. Like, yeah. it's a different time, and it's very, very obvious, but it's still the so other, well-written. One other thing that uh, I didn't notice the first time around is that every character is 
fucking horrible. They're all really? terrible They're assholes. What? Assholes. How do you but mean you didn't the, notice that's that? That's how the like, season ended. But like, except the for Kramer. <laughs> except for Kramer. Everybody's always giving Kramer shit, and he's the only person that, like, buys people presents, that, like, tries to, like, say happy birthday. He's the only character that cares about his friends. Everybody else in the show yeah, but he just terrible he, dicks. But he, he just, he would show up at Jerry's house and eat his shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> in a lovable like way. In a lovable way. <laughs> they played him as, the, as like, the kooky uh, spinster, you know? Like, the dude who's just, like, not mentally right. But exactly. they point but they out their friends other. with him, and they point out his shortcomings. And yeah, they, yeah, he used them as much as he could. Like, every chance he got, he used them. Yeah. Oh, you, you mean in a way that, like, he doesn't have his own car and stuff like that? Well, he, he, they, well he's totally dependent on Jerry, <laughs> for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for one. But he besides did. that, like, you're right, he did have a really good, like, Huh. I don't know about lovable. I found him I guess to be I, like the trickster. In he there. is arguably the hero of that show. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would think arguably. so. Arguably, <laughs> he's the only one that escaped the massacre at the end. God, it's a shame that. Uh, Did you sh- get into the other show on that? Curb enthusiasm. Curb enthusiasm. Yeah, and uh, the Seinfeld reunion that they done on that show, I thought was way better than any Seinfeld reunion that they would really do. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well executed. It was. It had perfect writing. It, it The show within the show, I can believe, would be an actual Seinfeld episode with George doing the eye toilet and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. The if they ran, played. like, one season of that, I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Did you yeah. watch the final Curb Your Enthusiasms? I uh, don't I, remember. It was season before last. They did the Seinfeld reunion over the course of the season. Yeah. So there was little bits of the show. I didn't see everything. I saw mm. just a few episodes of that one. Did you see yeah. uh, Jason Alexander trying to pick up Larry David's wife and then the two of them are fighting over who's the real George? <laughs> no, oh, I that was great. That oh, it's it's ch- beautiful. He catches Jason Alexander in his, in his uh, dressing room with his, with his ex-wife and he's uh, seducing him and Larry David chases him out the window. George, <laughs> George jumps out the window. Jason Alexander jumps out the window. It's basically Good yeah, just George episode. versus George. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny going back and uh, I watched like the Larry Sanders show, which I've just come to learn is is like the proto Kirby enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It, it had like, a similar vibe. Yeah, just old sure. HBO going on really like uh, like a little before Seinfeld too, when bef- uh, before Seinfeld was like really getting going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just really nails the the talk show format that somehow still exists. I think it's funny that back then, early '90s, the talk show format of like the late night. With Jay Leno and stuff like that was already being played. It had out been around for like for uh, so long. You know, I think it, you know, uh, the what first is version name? was the seventies. Arsenio Hall came back as well. Like, Arsenio was, Hall's back. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> and like Stephen Colbert's gonna take over for the Late Show. For the Late Show, and it's just like, why do those shows need to still exist? Those it's weird, a, it's like couch morph. It's in shows. flux. I think. Um, what is it? Fallon? Fallon's shaking stuff up a Jimmy bit. Fallon's I think that good. Conan. Um, I think it all started. Conan's with always Conan, been yeah. funny Conan though. Conan was good. I like Conan. I mm-hmm. wish. I wish he had never left The Simpsons. The Simpsons would still be a, the perfect show if he had still the written for it. Show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every episode you go back and watch, it's just Conan wrote every line you love. Yeah, he fucking wrote it, and you can hear his voice behind it every time. You're like, oh man, dude's a laugh a minute. I was de- I was debating Cameron like whether uh, Colbert's going to how much he's going to take from his old show or if he's going to do a completely new thing. I was wondering is he going to act like Stephen? Is he going to be like he Colbert? Says he's not going to be in character. No. Yeah, he's he said he's not going to be in character. I can't see that working. But not with that crowd. How many how many years has he been doing that now? Like six, it's gotta seven, be an eight. Like I don't understand so, how he can break out of it. So yeah, how how can he break out of the character that he's been playing? Uh, I can on see TV? him really alienate in his audience that he's already accumulated at the. Um, 
on the Colbert Report. And CBS is going to expect that he's going to bring that audience yeah. with him. They're not going to tell him to start from scratch. They're going to give him different rules. He's he going to have a completely to. different role in that show. Like Colbert song Report and dance man. Yeah, he's going to be the song and dance man, not like this uh, this satirical news reporter. It's going to be, I think this part of his charm is lost in that idea. It seems like uh, they know that Fallon has gotten into a, a habit of dressing up as like Springsteen and Neil Young and things like that mm-hmm. and singing and dancing and all sorts of skits and stuff. And I think that they're imagining that Stephen Colbert can do, we'll do that the same too. thing. Like what Jay Leno did in the, at the start of the show, kind of like he plays the character of Stephen Colbert and then yeah. he gets, you know, he kind of switches oh, over. And yeah, yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be a good yeah. introduction. Like give his audience from the Colbert report something, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and they pulls can, off the yeah, mask. Exactly. <laughs> to get the, they get the viewership up like in the beginning and then, they're out of there as soon as his act is done. One thing I did notice, he he did a, a big uh, coming out party on um, on late night. Like uh, Letterman invited him on and got him to read a top ten list and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the only difference was glasses were different. He had like horn rim glasses, and I'm like, maybe that's the switch over. He takes off the conservative glasses and he puts on the hipster glasses. Like, yeah, so glasses. Reborn. <laughs> I think I, I think for his character's sake, it'd be Colbert. really funny if he. If he went through a spiritual awakening through the first couple of weeks where he comes on as like super conservative Stephen Colbert and then slowly realizes how like he was just wrong about everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> just comes into the light and just becomes free and liberated. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I just think it's going to be a very awkward transition. Multiple personality. Be... You don't know who's going to show up for each of the shows. It's a rivalry. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just can't see him working with that audience. Like, wow. I don't know. Yeah. John Stewart claims that Colbert's got chops that nobody's even ever seen. And I kind of believe it. Like, that guy's so talented that maybe he's got a whole bag of tricks that. Yeah. Maybe when he plays himself, you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe that's just how he is. <laughs> I don't know if you remember like like the Daily Colbert. Show. <laughs> when he was on The Daily Show, he was like a very different character, like way back in the day. He didn't really do his like whole conservative shtick. But he had This Week in God and all sorts of yeah. other. Yeah, it was like, I don't know. things that he's were. definitely got basis. A, a cork about him, mm-hmm. but and the writers are coming with him. Like it's going to be a similar type oh, of deal. So it's just they're not going to have the yeah. same uh, O'Reilly ripoffs, right? Where they do the word and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that uh, that interview between Colbert and Riley, where Bill O'Reilly basically admitted that? He's doing the same shtick as Stephen Colbert. Oh, he's like he's just he's like I'm not as conservative as I play on television. I'm just doing it for the money. He's already admitted that. Like I think even when he had the uh, sit down with John Stewart, he admitted like you know me and you are doing the exact same thing, Uh right? So don't knock me for for my role. Like I playing a hammed up version of their side of the coin. Yeah, I I, you just like that just goes to show you how much of American media actually is like that. Because of the kind a of fabrication like, from the Illuminati, <laughs> it's the it's the sports mentality of like red versus blue, right? Yeah. Like the Democrats versus Republican, uh, Coke versus Pepsi, just this like red versus blue sort of mentality just puts it so that you need those sort of like exuberant, exa- no t- <laughs> exaggerated character, right? Like it it just comes down to such a black and white in the states where like you're either like Republican or you're Democrat, and there are very few people who would identify as anything in the middle mm-hmm. or as neither. Like you always are. They call themselves independents or libertarians. It's it's just that sort of like that sports team rooting mentality that like whatever your team is doing, it's the right thing, and you have to back it. And you need those personalities like John Stewart on the left or like Bill O'Reilly on the right, who are just like the 
crazy over the top cheerleaders for their side mm-hmm. and who are like kind of skewing the headlines and skewing the information in a way that sort of like plays into their own confirmation bias yeah. and panders to their team, gets their team riled up about what's going on. You know what's like, funny too? Uh, I was listening to an episode of Gweek, I think, and uh, they had somebody on that was talking about how Rush Limbaugh's uh, ratings are actually bullshit and how it's a fabrication. Like the sound scan um, data that they use mm-hmm. to say it's like one of the number one radio shows. Yeah. Apparently like that's bias and corrupt and can be altered. And they did a, a proper audit of like how many listeners he actually had. And it was a 10% of the, of what it had been billed at. Yeah. And he's up against internet radio stations now where you can see how many people have, have played and like logged on and how many followers a show has. And he's not able to keep up with, something like the young turk i think it was the young turk that was oh the young turk that. yeah 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 they've made some waves you know, he, was, he was on rogan when he was, he was talking about that like how uh limbaugh and uh hannity sean hannity's audience mm-hmm. it's all inflated on in the advertising and stuff to make conservatives feel like there's a lot more of them oh yeah uh, for well, sure it's I funny know. Again, it just goes to pander to keep the balance between like one team versus the other. It's just keeping both teams feeling like they're inflated and they're winning mm-hmm. and, and making some ground because like neither's really. But true. you wonder how much how much of the voting base would actually shift over if they knew definitively that they were the minority. Like the people who are just crowd following mm-hmm. and are just doing the bandwagon thing and just doing like rah rah team red. I wonder how many of them would switch over to Team Blue if they knew that Team Red was going to get their ass handed to them in, like, every yeah, election I don't know cycle. if there would be a switch. They might, like, whatever, whoever is on the fence might decide to take a, yeah. Yeah, take a side. Shit, but. Exactly, but I don't know if they would switch entirely. I, I, I think you can even look at it going back to our conversation about Ford. Ford Nation, they're like, listen, it's Ford or no one. Right. They're just going to vote for him, irregardless of what he He's does. They're going to write him in on the ballot. Yeah. They're like, listen, I'm going to put his name there. It doesn't win or lose. Like, that's who I'm going to vote for. Right. So even if the if that like structure that Brendan. Just what do you up, think his appeal is? What do you think uh, his uh, his strength comes from? Visibility. And mm-hmm. also the fact that um, whatever it is that he decide like he decides to uh, champion, he's gung ho about it. Right. Like he even if. um they do uh, they do all their audits and it comes back where it's not affordable or whatever it is. He still tries to champion that. He, he doesn't let up. He st- that, stays that on true. message. Yeah. That is like, you know, a big thing in, in politics, especially American politics, you know, like the idea of the flip flop and people being like one mm, way or the yeah. other. Ford is uh, like the opposite. Completely, of flip-flop. He's the opposite of flip flop. Stone. He's stone based. Uncompromisingly yeah. for whatever he's for to the bitter end. Yeah. And like when he says he didn't do something or he did do something, no matter how much like logical proof and like deconstruction of that statement that you give him, he'll always, always hang the on. The only to it. thing that I would add to that though is he's also a liar. <laughs> Compulsive liar. So, so as David Miller said in the election against Jane Pitfield. Anybody who advocates subways is actually advocating doing nothing because there's not enough money to build them. And all that, if you look at the record, all Ford has done so far in the four years is delay those LRT lines from being built. There is no subway yet. There's no subway even like that has had an environmental assessment. It's still like 10 years in the future if it gets built at all. There's definitely no LRTs. But there's definitely no LRTs. (laughs) Well, you read, that's you reading from both sides of the fence, right? Mm. These like the people that are Ford Nation are no, they don't they'll just look at that as propaganda against Ford right, right? that's I've had discussion with them and that's a, that's what I get from them it's kind of like oh they're just they're, he, he's the bad guy 
right? Mm-hmm. And they're attacking him because he's the bad guy, right? That's how they painted him. And so, what would he have to do to be an actual bad guy? <laughs> He'd have like. And this is why it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is that the uh, the oddity that is his uh, his mayorship is like. It really just could come out that he's done some kind of crazy, like Batman villain esque thing before. He dissolved a, an opponent in acid. I mean, and I mean, even the fact the that water. like <laughs> Doug Ford, Doug Ford is trying to close down a home for autistic kids is sort of like, like really Batman villain esque. <laughs> that's a, that's the thing that that's like the, the Joker would be like, I'm that house for autism. <laughs> I'll take it out in the explosion. Like, clearly just a completely heartless and bastard thing to do. Someone needs to get thrown out of those big glass windows in City Hall <laughs> at some point. And then there needs to be a Bronco chase. And then, uh, I don't know, somehow Ford escapes on the, the ferry. Bronco chase, huh? He gets on <laughs> Toronto Island and they're like, how are we going to get him off Toronto Island? He's got the whole place locked down with machine he's, guns. He's definitely, if he's not going to have a political career after this, he's going to be able to slide into a reality television Oh, he'll show marry career. a Cardassian. Oh, yeah. He'll be living high When he went Hollywood. to Hollywood, they were trying to get him on that. Uh, oh, on they the fucking yeah, love they him. Don't go home. Yeah. He's perfect because he... For especially for reality television, because he's awkward, he can't remember lines, so everything he say says sound like really unnatural and awkward. And he's just like he puts his foot in his mouth every five minutes. So putting him in front of some cameras and putting him in any kind of situation where he like he's trying to Insane act natural chaos. or trying to yeah. look smart, it's comedy gold. Yes. every single time. And if he wants to balance the budget, if he's if he's dedicated to balancing the budget, he should put a fucking GoPro camera on his chest and wear it everywhere, have it in the car, edit it together, start up a YouTube channel, he'll have 100 million followers. That would be the greatest show on the internet. He has a show, and it's not that barely no, brushes like Ford Nation. That's <laughs> no, that's not what we want, Rob. <laughs> he should have new stories years. about himself. He's like, yeah, you gotta get this story hey, that, from the source. That yeah. first one was entertaining because it was that. That first uh, Ford Nation that was actually professionally funded by Sun News. <laughs> the, <laughs> the pauses. It was like a Tim and Eric episode. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Just all the the cues and like the video montages. It was so high budget, and it, they said it cost so much money for them to film just because they had to do so many takes because like they just they would freeze up or just not remember to segue in the contrast between all of the professional uh broadcasters that they brought in to pad the show's content yeah and having them throw to rob ford every couple of minutes and have him just like kind of squint in the camera and go like yeah the loony left is at it again is subway's uh i save a billion dollars uh budget and then you go like Oh man, I I I love talking him about him, but in the same breath, I'm gonna be really happy when we never have anything left to say about him. That it's is gonna the be, end. It's gonna be a truly. But maybe he's gonna day. become one of those urban legends where he he passes on into like a an upper level of culture, like Elvis or whatever, where. You know, people bring them up all the time. Never it's legendary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be thinking about our crack smoking mayor for a long time. It's hard to well, shake that bedtime image. stories. He's a. Per- I mean, that's the kind of thing that like you should almost remember because he's a really good example of why everyone should vote and everyone should be a bit more informed about who they're voting for. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you don't want crack smoking mayor. You don't want the Toronto to have all this bad publicity and have a guy uh, getting drunk and harassing women and stuff like that. Just vote properly. The thing that surprised me is when I talked to my my parents, mm-hmm. they kind of uh, they uh, bust my balls about Rob Ford a bit because they they live out in uh, in Stony Creek, yeah. and they think it's funny that Toronto is uh, is a little bit humiliated. People like to pile on Toronto a little bit, tease it, mm. and um, 
the thing that I try to remind them of is like anybody who was following the election expected all of this. Like we knew that Rob Ford was a crazy person from previous antics when he was a councilman. Do you remember those great YouTube clips where he just starts screaming at Mel Lastman and calling him a weasel and a slithering snake? He's like, oh, where's the snakes block at the zoo? And they're like, Mr. Ford, if we, d- if you do not settle down, we are going to have you removed from council chambers. He's like, <laughs> and they were bringing that up in the election and people were just like, good. We're a pro- he's a protest vote. We want him to be crazy. Get in there. Mess things up. The anti-Miller. The anti-Miller. I don't know. I don't know. Did you see um, the areas where the Scarborough subway is supposed to stretch through? Um, yeah. There's a cool um, Toronto Star walkthrough with David Hume where he goes to each of the areas that are proposed for the subway stops. Oh, so it's kind of interesting. Like, like, fill me in. Like, what happened? Like, did he? Well, is it like necessary to build subways? Well, Hume's a bit of a dick, so he the the whole video has a has a kind of a peevish tone to it. Oh, okay. But he basically visits each of the sites, and it's like, you know, home to uh, Petro Canada gas station. You know, and he goes down the block to the next proposed area, and it's like LCBO beer store and Dollarama. I can see some business popping up around that. Oh, I mean, it's great for developers. Like, yeah. if you're a friend of Rob Ford and you own a construction company, then it's more likely you can get well, a condo approved. He, he gets the cranes up, right? That's his big thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he cranes in the sky. He loves those cranes in the sky. <laughs> Did he say that? Uh, yeah, when he was yeah, like Jimmy he, Kimmel. Yeah. That was his big talk. He goes, point. I've put more uh, <laughs> cranes up than any other. Well, Toronto <laughs> is, is uh, the world's largest construction site, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. You look at all the buildings, all the even the stuff downtown that's like almost being finished. All those sweet condos here. that are going up now. Mm-hmm. But that, has, that doesn't have anything to do with Rob Ford. That was it doesn't. No, no, he it just takes credit for it. <laughs> he just loves to, to take credit that. for it. No, the Silver that condo money. thing is its own. Yeah, those things were already piece. sanctioned like years ago, and they finally started building. I was working. I was working at a condo company over the uh, over the winter, Jerome. Like condo sales. Uh, shouldn't say the name. Uh, <laughs> won't say the name, but. We have no sponsors yet. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they, uh, yeah, they're completely heartless. They just want to th- plop up as many of these like stone, like glass, glass, fucking Boxes. ugly monstrosities. Apparently, are the, like bad condos, like um, in respect to efficiency. Like, oh, yeah. they're bad. They're poorly designed. They're not designed to last. And then one of the other things is that um, this company basically pre-sells all the all the units. Then they pick the ten, basically what amounts to the ten richest people in the building, who are all in the penthouse levels, and they mm-hmm. say, "You're the board of the building now." Oh, and then they walk, way, they eh? walk away forever. That the builder and the people who like own the condo walk away forever, and they never arbitrate anything in the building ever again. So now the ten richest people who do not give a shit about the rest of the building are in charge of, like, maintenance and parking spaces and, like, security and blah, blah, blah. Of, are like, they getting rent kicked back to them? What's yeah, their... Yeah, totally. Yeah, some compensation. Yeah, yeah, that, some yeah. compensation. But it, it it also is just, like, that's not the way to pick up board. Like, because they, they only care about their floors. They're yeah. on the penthouse floor. They're already the richest people there give a shit about anybody else and if you mix that with like a bunch of uh, non-invested buyers people who are coming from hong kong who are like buying up a bunch of 
units who are just going to sell them off and like a or rent them out or, or yeah. rent them out or whatever. All the buildings are going to fall into uh, disrepair really, really quickly, mm-hmm. and people are going to move on because so many new condos are being built. It's just going to be a constant shift around to like the new buildings and leave these old buildings to become slum. Slum buildings. They're just going to be like slummy apartment buildings at some point. Hmm. There's going to be tons of them. Like waterfront real estate you think is going to become a slum? Uh. No, I just think the buildings are going to become shittier quality than the newer ones that are being built all the time. And then all of the richest people are going to bail out of these buildings, especially because the actual company that built them is doing nothing to upgrade them or maintain them. Mm. And they've left all the decisions into the richest people who are the most likely to bail out soonest right so as each person keeps leaving is replaced by like a different board member the well-being of the building gets further and further and further away from the people who actually live there you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and and if you just keep building new ones then all those richest people can always bail out of a bad situation into like a new comfy condo Mm. but i thought the plan was to get buyers in the city and have them stay like it but obviously that's not the case right now people are they buy buy up a bunch of condo um available condos and they just kind of rent them out or they just yeah. kind of get sold over and over again because the prices are inflated. Down, right? Downtown Toronto is like a really good like temporary destination because yeah. they're coming from Hong Kong. Their kids are like maybe going to school here. Yeah. So they're relocating. But then eventually, like especially if they come down, they're probably going to want to go to the GTA. They're going to say, well, we're paying $500,000 for a pretty small shoebox condo. Mm-hmm. We could go pay the same amount and actually get like a whole house mm-hmm. yes, out of the city. Correct. They just don't re- they just uh, they don't realize quite yet that they don't want to live in the city. So they'll come here and then put up with it and then probably relocate. And uh, then money gets, you know, kind and of And then seniors move else. into the condos cuz they yeah. don't want to shovel the driveway and stuff in the burbs and uh Things yeah, get uh, it, renovated. So Do you think that like, we'll have like a bunch of baby boomers like moving into Toronto? Downtown. Oh, of course. My friend, uh, my friends uh, have a lot of their parents have have uh, moved into the city. Just, okay. it, it becomes a pain in the butt to take care of a huge house when you got to shovel the driveway and stuff, and you're old. So, oh, yeah, we'll bring the money down here. List that'll be good. Yeah, but then there it's also there's a matter of like like I was saying before, you're building these condos, but are you like building the surrounding infrastructure? Like are you putting in conveniences? Well, the assu- it's like the subway assumption is like when you build it, like yeah. businesses will eventually come there because they're like, "Hey, now we have available consumers, right? Yeah. Let's put um I don't know, a bar here. Let's put up a um what are that? Shoppers Drug Mart, right? Yeah. Those are the things that can afford to um, to to move into the to condo in. space, but not really it's local business in a sense. No. of like you know, it's going to really change the whole. Well, it already has changed that entire area. Like yeah. the waterfront's never going to have any sort of like quaint businesses again, right? It's just like stuff with the money. You need a lot of money to settle down there and to like. They're run pushing a er, every. They're pushing everything like north, like north as far yeah west, north yeah. as possible. I, even St. Clair is going through its change as well because a number of um spaces have been bought up and there's like plans to put condo there. It's getting a bit fancier up there, you know. Like St. Clair's definitely needs changing it. into like it a, really needs it. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a big part was like they finished the new streetcar. Yeah, on St. Clair, uh, and then after that, like business started like kind of booming, and uh, things just sort of a nice area. Yeah, it is. Well, especially around, like the east side, it's really nice down there. Mm-hmm. And now they have the stockyards built. I'm hoping that changes like um, St. Clair and Western Road area. I think that's the the area of St. Clair is a little bit more sketchy than the rest. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's weird to watch the neighborhoods in Toronto sort of uh, be gentrified right in front of our eyes. To look at areas that were when I moved here first, which it wasn't really that long ago. You know, only amounts to like six or seven years ago. Moving here for the first time, and those areas that were would kind of seem like too sketchy to go to. Like yeah. no one would really want to go hang out in Parkdale at four in the morning. Yeah. Um, and now it's like less and less weird every summer. Right. Like m- there's more and more going on. And like the junction is suddenly now slated to be this like big popular really nice youth neighborhood. Yeah. Five years ago, I had no fucking idea what the junction was and like never wanted it's, to go. It's there. very lively down on, uh, on Queen street near, uh, near Lounsdown and between Roncesville and Lansdowne. Yeah. Uh, there's it's tons of good. restaurants there and, uh, a, a really cool nightlife a lot of lot of activity and stuff so i yeah, personally saw the changes um to occur and right at um Lansdowne and bloor area yeah like when i first moved to our Lansdowne and bloor um you could st- it's visibly like at night you can see a bunch of sketchy people wa- walking around there's yeah. a number of stores that were just kind of boarded up and i don't think i was like over a period of like a year and a half um staying down there just like they started open up all these um like um, art galleries there's a number of bars that popped up these really cool coffee spots came around and like you just see the face of the neighborhood just change overall even the people within in the area themselves just like there was this huge gentrification that occurred there <laughs> and it, it was for the better because then at, like as soon as it all happened after a year and a half when i was getting ready to move out i went downstairs and like holy shit it's 12 at night and i don't feel like a sketch you know like i don't yeah. feel like i'm in a place where i have to be cautious about yeah, my yeah. surroundings yeah. anymore oh i noticed the same thing my friend used to live like right there above bike pirates and mm. there used to be just like crackheads hanging out in the alley and then now you walk down there just this is just like yeah. just feels like kind of safer and just feels like there's more going on all the time yeah. The lofts and uh, being built there, and the, this neighborhood's even just gonna like morph again. Just everything's just being upped in price, boutiques being brought in, more expensive bars. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, uh, pretty. Interesting. I think even down where you're talking about, like uh, near Lansdowne and Queen, uh, last summer they had to put a ban on a temporary ban on building new on bars new and bars restaurants and restaurants because there's too, too many. many. Yeah. But I don't know who the residents were that were complaining about it because it well, seems to be much nicer. Well, I think the fear was that it would, uh, that, that kind of buying up of buildings and just like purposing them into bars and restaurants would take away the convenience mm. of the neighborhood. There wouldn't be enough, uh, just local convenience to service the, the people yeah. who live there. And I've like heard that it stores up the grocery. real estate of everybody else too. Yeah. And it encourages landlords. Is it something like what happened in um, little Italy down on college, like where like the, the, the stores that were there yeah. like historically there has kind of changed. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's no longer little Italy in respect to the, um, c- um, commerce. Yeah. And it's, Oh, it's right? drive the property value just right down in that little strip up so much that you can't the, afford to live there anymore. You can't afford to live there. Yeah. And the only businesses that I see that succeed are really like ritzy kind of, uh, like martini bar yeah. style places. Yeah. Anything small that kind of opens has a really, really tough time competing. Cause it's just that not people don't even expect that of that neighborhood. Right. They only go down there to like, you know, buy expensive. Oh yeah. I think the, I think the clubs. worst case scenario is, uh, it's funny walking through the entertainment district during the day mm-hmm. and you see a lot of the me- mega clubs and stuff yeah. and what they actually look like in the sunlight and how it's like these boarded up facades and it's just a wall of, of uh, tacky graphic design and stuff and yeah. how it doesn't really have a, a life outside Thursday nights. 
Thursday, Thursday Friday. You're right. Saturday, the, that Monday. area, I took a, I was, because I work close by, mm-hmm. and sometimes I just go down there and kind of walk around, and you're right, like in the area where there's like, it's densely packed with um, all the nightclubs, there's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing, nothing there to there. do. It there's a few, like a I think, um, there's a there's a little strip where you can go, uh, like right around where, um, I guess where much music is, and connect into, um, and that's even a little bit north. Of yeah, like where of the, like the, the real dress, yeah dress, like yeah. you literally have to walk out of the club um, packed um, neighborhoods to find anything like food or any really good um, place to hang yeah. out it's driven all the convenience out of the area and like what does that do for the people who have to then live the rest of the week in that area if there are still people doing that right like anybody who lives in the vicinity of those clubs then is now driven out of their own neighborhood to go find the things they need to yeah. like live whereas the natural assumption would be like, you know, where I live right here on Blue Street, I can walk five minutes in any direction and pretty much get everything I need. And it changes the culture, too. I was looking at statistics. Um, there was these journalists, I think it may have been on Matt Galloway's show on CBC, mm. where they were surprised at where the so-called hot crime neighborhoods are. Hot crimes? Because, you know, <laughs> well, just uh, violent crime, yeah. robberies and things, Sexy. right? Because the stereotype is that it all goes on in North Toronto, right? Yeah. But um, two of the areas that are super common for uh, muggings and uh, uh, pickpockets and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff is down in the entertainer entertainment di- district and over by bay street yeah right and bay street yeah like in well, because of the the the, the outflow right? oh, okay the yeah, clubs yeah, let yeah, out, yeah then like there's fights and stuff that happen down Correct, the yeah. street right mm-hmm. but um you know it's a common sight on the news and things um back when i used to watch the tv news would be like the the horses on the the riot horses down at the club <laughs> district um, intervening in a fight, you know, somebody running over somebody else in their Escalade, somebody, um, you know, a random shooting, like just because it's such an influx of people mm-hmm. into one area from all sorts of different neighborhoods. And then you add yeah. alcohol and you add like hormones and it just overflows. That reduced right? over time because I remember when I was younger, like when I just um, turned 19, I could go to the clubs. Yeah. Um, I used to come downtown from mm-hmm. North York and one of the big thing was kind of like be aware of the clubs you went to because yeah. there possibly could be a shoot in there. Like I remember when I was younger, like it was a lot more violent. And res- I feel like that's so still it's, there. It's yeah? like still prominent. I thought it had changed because I didn't hear about it as much. But Adam Vaughn like, was fighting to make uh, amendments or pass new laws to, to get a handle on it because mm-hmm. it was crazy. Um, for, to, it's such a contrast to like what goes on. How do you, how do you control that yeah. though? Really, without um, the size of the clubs, like when they let out, like the amount of liquor licenses. Yeah, you give but the, area, it's, like the clubs that. already fit close to early here. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, by two thirty, everything is done. What's like wrong you with can't coffee really... only, Jerome? Coffee <laughs> only dance club. So, well, Timeless. That's not... I don't. I, I personally don't like go to clubs, but I. I you know I can kind of uh, sympathize with it's the, club the mentality goers, right? of the weekend warrior, right? They don't yeah. drink all week because they work or they. Hardcore they, Thursday. Yeah, they party. <laughs> yeah, and then Thursday comes along and they get the taste for it, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday yeah. they party until they can't party anymore. And then Sunday comes along and they mm. sober up and go back to work. Yeah, because the ta- the downtown crowd are like a lot more. Um, they're not as loud, not as obnoxious, and the violence is not as rampant, right? Spread throughout the week, right? More. Yeah, throughout the week, it's yeah. not dense in like like three days alone. Like every day, there's something awesome going on down here. Yeah, you can but just as casually... soon as Thursday and Friday rolls around, it's like, yeah, guys, let's hit the coffee shop. Let's make keep it inside because outside is going to be filled with like these out of towners. Yeah. <laughs> 
causing a ruckus. Causing That's when all the fights happen. Oh man, <laughs> it's so fights. funny. And then now, like I discovered, like World Star Hip Hop, the the site, St- started, started watching some of the videos of just like after club fights and being like, there's a whole video world like category entire, of like after club, <laughs> an entire basically YouTube's amount of content of cell phone videos of just crazy club oh, applications yeah. Yeah. of all shapes and sizes. It's insane. You're familiar with this drum? Massive fifty girl, girl fights, <laughs> just like fifty girl like on top, just like fighting, and like big dumb white dudes they even getting shout the shit bit while the fights are going. <laughs> oh, that's the big thing is that <laughs> yeah. it's so common, and people are so like are are so ready for it. Like they have their cell phones, and like you go to the club, and it's just such a thing that like oh, a fight might happen, and I might get my video on the front page of World, World Star Hip Hop that everybody shouts it out. It's like the keyword of the video yeah. where like they take it out and just like World Star, World Star, yeah. World Star, World Star, and while someone's getting their head kicked in, it's just like oh my god, it's and a good what way is to happening? Aggression. Just shout World Star, and if they weren't gonna fight, Whoa, now they have they're to. Definitely Whoa. gonna fight after <laughs> now that. They have to. Yeah, and there and every week there's like a fight compilation that is seriously just like fifty clips in a row of just oh you're like getting all, lost in the trenches. Oh, <laughs> you can get dark, lost. dark internet holes, Jesse. Yeah. Like the dirtiest. Like you and just is there feel crazy bad. music going on in each of the videos. No, it's just people screaming and just kind of like. So the it doesn't necessarily happen at hip hop shows. A lot of no, no, no. It's a lot of racial slurs. Yeah, there's a lot of racists being beat up. There's a lot of just yeah. like road rage. There's you name it. So this isn't a this isn't a music website. It's just a, a well, fight. No, no, you no, would no, think it's a sense. music website because of the the name, right? Oh, World okay. Star Hip Hop. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. Before. I think it's like Live Leak. It's similar to Live Leak. Similar right? to Live Leak, and yeah. it's more uh, it's more like they kind of originally centered themselves around like the hip hop culture of like. Hip hop is more than just the music, hip-hop. right? Like, yeah, like hip hop traditionally is more than just the music. It's like the music and graffiti and b boy and like all these different things like mixed together to make the hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of I think how it started, but now it's quickly turned into a depository for like uh, really funny YouTube yeah. clips and people fighting. Yeah, and it's just like Whoa. after all the the big thing about because it at first it started out just like that and then like it became extreme. <laughs> the, the, a lot of twerk videos pass through, and after oh, that, yeah. <laughs> oh, so they're kind of going with trends, like whatever's yeah. popular. I, yeah, you know? but I think World Star was like, um, were the ones that started this. Like World Star yeah. was the was the main site to go to. Yeah, it's kind of um, to to get this content because YouTube would like um, would shut them down, flag right? a lot of that yeah. stuff. Right, they they take down a lot of just like brutal, like yes. anything that might be implicated in a court case. Yeah, so World Star kind of dealt with um, those videos, and then eventually yeah, it became like this place. To Do you think away. they'll expand the brand, to turn it into a competitor for UFC? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy street fights, yeah. Well, like yeah, you just but then that leads HD to stuff videos, like so. bum fights, right? Where guys oh. would like pay, you know, like would pay to see, you know, people. Fight. That's what. Bum that's where it sounds like. Yeah, heading, like, like yeah. the way you guys describe it is that people are just going to be like, let's get on World Star. Yeah, go kick that. Guy's well, and, ass. well, and there you go. Once the the name is shout out, mm-hmm. like people just kind of become a lot more aggressive, right? Because like now I have to put on a show, right? So I hope it doesn't go that route. Well, bum fight. Yeah, bum fights always creep me out. Yeah. That's uh, that's a that's an extreme thing. Yeah. Yeah, I never could wrap my head around uh, how someone first had that idea and just sort of went with it. Like, I have a self-policing instinct that's been strong ever since the internet first came popular, where I purposely don't watch yeah. stuff that I think is that I don't want in my brain, and uh, you know, car accident footage and bum fights and all of that kind of yeah. uh, X-rated stuff. I just but I got <laughs> lost in the world, like the. <laughs> 
it it, it plays in car accidents once. <laughs> it plays into that that bloodlust. There's something about yeah. human bloodlust that's so deep rooted. Where yeah, I don't want to know that side. Like of me. <laughs> I don't want to come in through my dreams and stuff or the hey. bum fights and yeah. Brendan should introduce you to uh, the world star. <laughs> well, and, I, and there's always been those depositories on the internet for just like the most horrific things that you could find, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was uh, I forget even the names of them now, but how um, big can an asshole stretch? <laughs> Let's find out. (laughs) Right? Like, that kind of thing. And really early on, my curiosity sort of got the best of me where I ended up seeing things that I could then never unsee. Mm -hmm. Um, And and while it did, like, kind of hurt my core for a really long time, uh, it's mostly all it's done is just completely desensitized me and made me, like... Dead inside. Yeah. And we were talking about... (laughs) (laughs) A little dead inside. (laughs) But just a little bit. Like, we were talking about how something like a scene in Game of Thrones where... Like that weird sort of rapey scene between Jer- mm. Jamie uh, and Cersei, yeah. that made a lot of Spoiler people feel alert. super, super uncomfortable. Not me though. Oh yeah, I and I know. found I found I was just like, oh, because I know it's fake, and I've seen yeah. worse real stuff. That just didn't shock me as someone who like maybe only watches like How I Met Your Mother and like Oprah, and then watches one episode of Game of Thrones, and that's what they see, and it yeah, completely it shakes heavy. their world yeah. apart. It's like, yeah, my my brain just does not like respond with shock to that kind of thing anymore especially if i know it's just a narrative yeah i try to forget like pull the meaning out of it like why is it occurring like what does it have to do with the overall um uh plot or like what are they trying to uh, signify between these two characters that's where i get caught up like i prefer to look at it like that because if you just look at it as what's going on it's it's a shocking yeah Yeah, it's it's horrible yeah I don't like violence in real life, but it's like Tarantino says. He doesn't like violence in real life, but he likes it in movies because mm. yeah. it's a symbolic kind of thing. You watch a, a Shakespeare play, yeah. there's decapitations and murders and all sorts of things, but it serves a story. Yes. Yeah. And the story is what's important. And there's like, you know, just bringing out, like having weapons and violence in a world, there's like a certain catharsis to like, um, like, you know, check off said that like when you bring a gun out on stage like you have to use it you can't Mm -hmm. have you can't have a play with a gun in it without the gun being shot at somebody yeah and there's just like when you have a when you have a realistic world where violence is a part of it there it's always gonna have to like come up and people are always gonna like kind of have a weird like bloodlust for it yeah they want it they don't just want it they don't just want the um, the repercussions of the violence. Yeah. They want a taste of that violence. Yeah. They want to see like, and the it's kind built of, like, in the lore of um, the Game of Thrones as well, right? If you, yeah, like I, so, I don't understand. I, I understand the criticism, but I'm like, but that is the show. Some, That's what he's trying to um, mm-hmm. convey. But right? some people just don't have just don't have like that kind of same stomach, I guess. And maybe that's going to be like the big generational gap between like the previous like pre internet generation and mm-hmm. our own is that we're. Uh, more more tolerant of just about everything. We know the dark side of life. We know yeah. the dark side of life, and we know it way younger, and we have sort of an uninhibited, like, completely free access to it as young as we can get a computer away from our parents and get, like, an hour alone with the internet. Mm-hmm. We can find anything our little fucking twisted hearts desire, and that really, like, sets us apart from previous generations who could have gone their entire teen years without ever seeing, like, a naked body hey, or without seeing any sort hey, of well, real violence. fast enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's slowly loading down the, the page, line by line. You're like, come on, come on. Yes! Now, like, right, you with, boop, with yeah. smartphones, fuck, you could load all, so much. You get 16 gigs of porn on your hours and hours of pornography. Gigs of I had just, like, I had a whole phone. Uh, I had a whole bit that I did on The Moth that was about the current see a porn back when you were a kid mm. oh. like pre-internet where like people would find the shriveled up porn magazines on the side of the road yeah. and they'd 
harvest it and keep it under their mattress. We built you'd, it a, like an actual a collection, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you'd get sick of your porn, so you go trade it with your other friends to try to get new new stuff. One of my buddies used to sell um, the, the anime, the hentai stuff. Oh yeah, right, yeah. It could, when he like he found all like this this website that just had like so much of them, and so he would like print print um, a bunch of like uh, images off at the, li- the public library them? yeah <laughs> at the public library and sell them to students in his school oh, because right. they've never That's seen so anything like that before could you even be mad at a kid if you were a teacher and you caught them doing that you're like yes <laughs> make a million dollars one of these days yeah trying to get that he's studying business now <laughs> yeah for sure oh i feel like a bit like I may have missed out on some golden opportunities at my Catholic elementary school to like sell kids some porn. I had a computer and an internet way before anybody else did. I could have been p- primary proprietor of all the porn at my school. You could own one of those condos downtown. Two, yeah, two bucks a CD. I'll fill a CD up with the raunchiest shit you ever see. Two this bucks. black sells You mean boobies. a floppy disk, right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's a floppy disk. Oh, man. I was going to say, going back to uh, the bloodlust thing, have you guys uh, read Kurt McCarthy stuff? Um, Like Like the the road. Yeah, I've read the road. Read the road. Uh, He has this other book called The Blood Meridian that's pretty much the main theme is that idea that, like, humans have that bloodlust. And it's in all of our fiction. Like, the main structure of all of the stories that Mm. we write, if they're going to be interesting, they have to have conflict in it at some point. Correct. And what McCarthy's thesis is that the purest conflict is person versus person yeah. in a duel to the death. That is the, the, the essence of what we're getting at. That's mm-hmm. where all conflict leads. It's the if oldest it's fight there is. If it's escalated to its logical end, yeah. it's going to be the earth is flattened and there's two surviving characters that are in mortal combat with one another. Yeah. And that's what like the, the basis of most of the modern religions are. And that's what the basis of what a lot of fiction is. Yeah. And he, the blood Meridian is an attempt to write the definitive story of that and um, puts forth the, uh, the idea that humans, their natural state and the state that we're at our most focused and uh, useful the, the state we were born to be in is at war. Like two humans at war trying to murder one another is like Cormac McCarthy's. He doesn't think that that's a good thing, yeah. but he thinks that that is the essence of man. That's like huh. what we're best at. <laughs> the last of us conveyed that really well. When you, um, have you ever played the game? No, before? I still haven't played that one. No. Um, I think it's like, they take a note from um, the road when they built that game and um, the combat between you and like, there's these, um, um, like this, this, this virus going around where people get infected by this, yeah. this like weird spore, like this fungus, and so they mutate and become essentially zombies, right? At some point, classic. Yeah, but yeah. what they've they've built the game in such a way that the combat between you, um, the protagonist, and the human characters, it's so personal. Like, yeah, when you when you have to kill someone, you actually feel it. Like uh. it's it's so you get right up close to them. Like you can shoot someone, but they. You hear them suffering as they die, yeah. right? Like it's and and they're I, still trying to kill you. Oh yeah, and they still do try to kill you. But like anytime you have um, a scene between you versus human beings, like it always feels a lot more uh, emotionally um, drain draining to go mm. through those scenes because, because you don't want to have to. Yeah, it's, it's that like everybody wants everything to just be calm and it, like be to be able to get at every situation like calm and collected. But there's like just some situations in which you can't. 
And it's like one thing I've always thought about uh, about the human race and about our like willingness to just fight each other and about how far back it goes. It sort of feels like there's a it's it's related to the fact that of all the different brands of humanity back at like the beginning of intelligence when we were sort of just like hashing it out with the other kinds of humans for land and figures. Bible days. <laughs> well, no, even even before, before that, that, I'm talking different subhumans. Yeah, I'm talking about subhumans. I'm talking like Neanderthal man, like. Uh, when Homo sapien like kind of Homo first came, yeah f- first kind of came up on top our our benefit we we weren't the the smartest we didn't have the biggest brain capacities mm. we were just the most aggressive mm. of all the different species we were the most aggressive so it's not that we came out on top because we were the most clever or we worked together the best it was because we were willing to just kill every other kind of human and take yeah. what they had without even thinking about it and it just says a, it speaks volumes about the way that we act even still that you know another kind of humanity could have arisen that was based on a bit more logic and a bit more of like looking at things logically and calmly and collectively but we come from a a violent subspecies but that's the world that um we unfortunately were like um we evolved into right yeah. we had no choice it was a lot more competitive back then yeah. because you know once we established um a, 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 a let's say a small tribe in a, an area we saw it being nomadic and we decided to settle yeah. right now we have to protect that yeah right no, like, and so that causes conflict because there are um other tribes who feel like okay we're low on resources let's go out and, and pillage right and yeah. get as much as we want so it's a song and dance that yeah you're right it's been going on forever but and i don't think there could ever be a time during that period where you could they could have become yeah. more brain power uh, couldn't have won no in those days but now we're a violent society that's now trying to reinvent ourselves as a, a scientific uh, scientifically enlightened Star and Star Trek future. Yeah, we want that Star you think Trek we future. Could ever get there. <laughs> it's so far away. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. We just gotta want it. Bad ah, yeah, you want. You gotta want that. When you utopia. say we, you're including everyone, and Me that's too. what the problem uh, is. Me too. Yeah. We all have to make the the changes in our lifestyle to back up what we want, the kind of world that we want. 1984. We'll force well, them to. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You got to get everybody on mushrooms. Well, you just get it. Around. You just gotta get. I think it was. Uh, wasn't it Reagan? That said that it would be like a, a great like alien force that would uh, unite all of mankind. If there was alien invasion imminent, it would bring all the nations of the world together. With the together. Watchmen, right? That was yeah, the yeah. premise of that. that right? That's yeah. totally, it's completely true that like anytime any group of humanity has been like rallied together really quickly and successfully um, has been for some like absurd singular enemy that we need to crush and destroy. An asteroid would do it, but it would, asteroid... it would just be ongoing. Then, like, we will always need some kind of well, antagonist he... because as soon as that's already figured out, it's like, okay, now let's go back to the humanity needs an effigy right? to burn. That's Human- what 1984 is about. Yeah, yeah we remember. always need someone to hate. We need someone to get rallied behind and say, like, that guy's way is wrong, and we need to squash it out. Like, we'll always need that effigy yeah. to burn, and we need right now. We just need a really big global effigy Rob Ford is that effigy <laughs> I see where you're going with this Brendan this is a callback to an earlier bit right <laughs> nations of the world unite against Rob Ford or yeah it just must be stopped. something but that's it I think that's the only way we need to get everybody afraid of the same thing 
It's sad but true. <laughs> we'll achieve balance through. But what, what about what about the global warming stuff? You don't think that oh, people? But could, half the people don't right. even think that exists. I know. Well, I wonder if half the people would not believe in the aliens too. If they showed up, they just be like, oh, those well, fucking Hollywood types. They can do. Do you anything. believe they've already landed here and probed a number of southerners? Uh, are the lizard people? When people talk about the lizard people conspiracy, are they? Are they thinking that those lizard people are aliens or that they're dinosaurs that never went extinct? I think or? it's, I don't it's aliens, right? <laughs> I think it's based on aliens. Anytime oh, no. someone starts talking about Illuminati oh, and God. reptiles, my brain turns off and I just start going, la, 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 oh, and just God. ignoring it because, God. Conspiracy theory. Barstool hearsay with <laughs> Jesse Ventura. <laughs> That's a good show. Is that a show? He has no barstool. No, 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 no. It's called conspiracy theory, which is in its Trump is about stupid. to pay money. He's to throw down. I'll pay I was for like, that. Yeah, no, I think you can find some pretty music characters. Maybe bar. that should be our pilot show. We could we could go down to the barfly areas to the, some of the rundown bars talk on Queen Street really good ones and talk conspiracy out. theories to the barflies. Oh well, like May, uh, May Lee was saying, like her dad loves conspiracy theories. I'm sure he'd love to talk shop with us. Mm-hmm. Get a uh, get. Get drunk, get really, really drunk, and just uh, see how how much time we can fill the up. The only with thing that reptiles. would drive us crazy, and we do a lot of non segwitters, but people who are into conspiracy theories do all almost nothing but non segwitters. I have a buddy that would be perfect. <laughs> 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 when he talks, I kind of like, you know, I'll just block him out of it. You just hear static. Yeah, <laughs> the Homer Simpson effect. But um, yeah, he is. Every t- every day, I go on a, like my Facebook and my feed is just filled up with all these crazy conspiracies. It's and he he's like he doesn't even buys meat from stores anymore. He just goes to farm, kill and, squirrels, being yeah, afraid like, of fluoride, <laughs> and just it yeah. all. It he's all canon, he's like decided to can meat now. Like he wants to like. Keep oh, yeah. does he know how sick you can get if you do that wrong? Yeah, bro. you can't tell him that. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! He's already gone over that fence. <laughs> he's not coming back. And that's the thing. What makes them? What makes them? so sure i just that's what i don't understand is that uh what is it what's so convincing about uh the all the world's evil cabals are made up of reptiles isn't there a magazine um that uh, there's a like a a periodical that they have um they have a newsletter (laughs) oh well you might be talking like the national Enquirer, that like the old old school one that's yeah like it was just basically all the aliens no 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 no. i'm gonna have to find the name is i'll send it's a modern blog yeah because he was um out i I met up with him Uh, once oh alex jones alex jones oh god please info wars He no, talks a lot no, about that. I story. don't think okay. that's what it is. I don't remember the name because I was kind of like, kind of like ignoring him as he described it to me. Yeah. But he was like handing it out outside, literally right out here. He's become him. a street preacher. <laughs> <laughs> Not Someone, that far, so. but he does like try to get the gospel out as much as he can. Oh man, <laughs> that's intense! That's wild. He leaves it at um like um secondhand bookstores and so forth. Like, oh, they have rad. that area where you can just drop off whatever you want. Like he leaves it there and. Uh, Maybe that should be a podcast episode. We can have hold a meeting where we get like five or six people from the community all mm-hmm. together, and they can just like go around in the circle with non sequiturs where they're just like, yeah, well, you know what? But fucking chemtrails, and then the next person will be like, yeah, 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 and you know what? You can't. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Fucking GMO. <laughs> you can go foods. on like the ride along at the bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd get we get like six hours recorded and probably like ten minutes of usable content. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to very carefully edit all of the the non sequiturs together into into individual topics. I I just more be interested because I feel like. Once we started talking about backstories of mm. everyone in the room of like, so what happened to you in your life? 
And like, what happened to you in your life? I feel like we'd start finding a pattern amongst all of them that eventually led them to believe that like the world is going to end mm-hmm. and that like, you know, the Illuminati are trying to like take all of our possessions. I feel like they all have a some common ground and, the and we could make some big breakthroughs with this like it could be like yeah. a talking therapy where we, we go wait you know why it could get really emotional because like a lot well, of they th- may think you're in on it oh fuck <laughs> he's a shell <laughs> wink <laughs> brendan's the opposite he's not on any of the books the government doesn't even know what he exists that's true yeah um You've i was gonna like say for some time. yeah fucking um the, the sad root of it a lot of the time is that um this is an alan moore idea that the scarier thing to a lot of these people is the idea that the world is rudderless and they come to an idea that maybe it is all meaningless and you know i missed my opportunity to just kind of not take life so seriously or um it's more comforting the idea that there might be somebody in charge even if they're a terrible tyrant Mm -hmm. you know what i mean right versus the idea of just a void okay yeah based on my experience i feel like i've met a lot of people who who really are afraid of like when they die, the world just kind of trudging on and that like they'll be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them take like a, an immediate comfort in the idea that the world is going to end or be destroyed by humanity in their lifetime. Right. That way they get the privilege of seeing the end of the world and they don't have to feel like, Oh, things are just going to keep going on. A jealousy me. kind of thing. Because that's, I mean, if you think about death and you really start to like consider your own mortality, that is, that is one of the most frustrating things of like, Oh, there's so much, that I'm just not going to see, and I have to kind of accept that at mm-hmm. one point where I'm just like, I can't see any more of this. Um, and yeah, some people would rather just believe that everybody gets snuffed out by some crazy catastrophic event or like the reptilians come and sweep us all away um, rather than dying and being forgotten because and that's it, far more terrifying in the long run, I think. Yeah, and it's interesting too to um, compare it to what I was saying about that Cormac McCarthy uh, story arc mm-hmm. thing where people almost feel like that would be the more operatic way for that to wrap this whole human story up in, in one nice little swoop. One more where, conflict, a conflict you know, to go out on. Fucking Doctor Strangelove ending. It's Do you like, think that it was, makes sense? Well, I'm, I'm sure it must have existed, but pre-internet, like. Um, do you think it was as... Because I guess one of the things that the internet does is kind of bring these crazies together, right? Right. They have communities that they can create. Um, <clears throat> this is something... Uh, the, the fact that we're eventually... We have like this imminent end... Um, that's yeah. coming. Um, it's always been around. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It's and a I, feel like, every, I feel like every generation. What makes you think that you're going to be a part of the, the the final tune? Like, why do you want to? You know, why do you want to have that kind of effect? Mm-hmm. It's right? that desire to see it all go up in flames. To be the last one there to be like, oh, well, that's humanity. So you want to say, I told you so? Is that what they're? Now, I feel like on? a lot. I <laughs> feel like <laughs> weird. That's like. A, <laughs> That's a vindication for a lot of those people. Like, oh, I told you so. I told you those nukes were going to fucking kill us all. Ha ha. And then everything ends. Uh, but I feel like the the re- reality of it. We're podcasting at the time. The bombs yeah. are falling. <laughs> beat by beat. The reality is humanity is just going to trudge on like this for a long, long time. And you time. will be forgotten. And you're all going to be <laughs> forgotten. So make the fucking most of, uh, of yeah. summertime. <laughs> I'm, I'm summertime 2014 I'm covered in sunburn get out there I'm covered in sunburn right now and I fucking love it it's like that nice warm glow of like finally no more yeah live in snow. the real world and stop yeah. this goddamn conspiracy bullshit like yeah. it's not gonna get you anywhere you'll eventually demo- you know, you'll 
you'll disappear at some point. You will yeah. die. People will forget about you. Live with that. And it's, I mean, the reality just... <laughs> of it is that, you know, there is a bunch of uh, oligarchs and world leaders that get together and like to pretend that they're running things. Mm. But they, they only have uh, an uh, indirect relationship with where the economy is going to go yeah. and, and all of that stuff. And even if... Uh, it's okay if they want to play that role. It's not a fun place to, that's not a fun way to live. And there's a lot of stuff that we could, they want to matter, right? Yeah. uh, They have about as much control as any one person could have. And really in the long run, like it doesn't affect your life that much. And not here in North America anyways. Like, we're all we can all still fucking sit around and watch our TVs and play our PlayStations. It's never going to saying economics is a bad predictor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I think it's a, Basically, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. Well, that's probably a good note, to, a nice lesson. Don't believe conspiracy theories. Just join a bowling league. Yeah, I mean, get together with some people, make some friends, hang out with your kids, yada, yada, that's yada. A lot of this yeah, stuff that's will alleviate this background noise, this weird static in the background, this dread that's like floating in. And It'll s- start to go away. Yeah, start I don't a shitty understand living in fear of this imminent threat that's you know like that's gonna come just around the corner now like what is the point of that that <laughs> is not living <laughs> that is not living the great humanity's great jump scare <laughs> that's what we're all going for <laughs> anyways some bass you want to take a glass of water uh that's about two uh two hours there tonto Oh, so I, let's, no, let's finish. it feels like we have another oh, half hour. Oh, God, no, I, I don't have it. You're done? Yeah, I got to call her. I'm, the sunburn's really, like, wearing on my brain. <sighs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Dun, 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 dun. We didn't yeah. even introduce our guest. We can do the same thing we did with uh, with Juno. We'll just do a little clip right here. Impost. Oh. Welcome to the Idea Grave podcast with Jesse Ewells. Brendan Black. And our guest... Jerome, hey, hey. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna put your last name on the thing, or are you gonna have like some sort of weird pseudonym? Oh, where What's I your use my middle name, name instead of. <laughs> oh, okay. What is it? Oh, uh, it's just Anthony. Jerome Anthony. All right, there yeah. you go. Yeah. That's the only way to find me, anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want any more Facebook friends, so don't yeah. bother. Facebook sucks. <laughs> Everyone back to Fredster. All right, see you later. Oh, Google Plus. <laughs>